I feel so grateful. I just feel so grateful because previous to this experience with with my mom and with um, with learning macrame and this journey, I never would have imagined that this would have been possible for me. And and I hope that I can share that with people. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Emily Katz is currently most widely known as the woman responsible for the revival of macrame and creating the empire known as modern macrame. Before this modern day, she started two different clothing lines among other creative endeavors. Emily currently lives in Portland, Oregon, and travels the world teaching macrame workshops, learning about energy healing, and art directing and styling photo shoots. Her book, Modern Macrame, comes out this spring, so she was in LA for some prep meetings and came over to record our chat. Like, I love books. Obviously, like, you know, you know the book world. Um, I love books, but it's slow. Like, you have to wait forever to get what you have to say out there. Tell me about it. <laughs> what has that been like? Because I mean, have, I mean, because you're a, you're about to release. When does your book come out? The book launches and is released on May fifteenth. Okay. Yeah. Um. And when did you start the process? The first moment where my friend was like, "You should be the one to write a macrame book," was literally May. I was in Los Angeles. It was May of twenty fourteen. Yep. So it's going to be four years yeah. from the moment that the idea was like conceived in my brain to the moment that people will be able to buy on the shelves of bookstores and wherever. That yeah. absolutely freaks my brain out because I so get long. it. Like after after playing and dabbling in the literary world for a, a little bit, I'm like, oh, that is that makes total sense. I get it. On the other hand. I don't have that kind of patience. Like I'm the kind of person that wants to have this discussion with you mm-hmm. and let everyone hear it like a week later, maybe two to three weeks later. Like I don't want to be, I don't want to wait four years. I would be like, oh, well, I'm going to be a different person by then. I don't care what I said four years ago. <laughs> oh. I mean, what if, what if someone else, like what if the trend changes? What if like politics changes? What if, I mean, that's just my, where my brain goes. So you're very patient. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. And at the time, there were no macrame books at all. And now there are because it has taken me a long time. And I worked with an awesome agent and I did a whole visual proposal. And it also changed many, many times over. Um, But I'm yeah, now there are other people out there who have macrame books as well. And they're online and they're out in the world. And there's that little part of you that's like, oh, wait, but I was going to do this and it was going to be the first one. And now but there's room for everything. There's yes. room for all of it. To be I love that. And I'm just so excited. I got to see a galley today, which I haven't seen yet. And I will be able to hold the book in my hands in the next week or by the time this comes out, it'll be. I'll have a copy probably, an advanced copy. That's like longer than a pregnancy. So much longer, four years. Does it feel like, time. does it feel like this is a moment that you're excited for? Does it feel like something that you get to kind of like enjoy or do you, does it feel like such a long process that you're just ready to move on to the next thing already? Well, I'm always kind of ready to move on to the next thing, but I've been practicing 
having like practicing sitting in with sitting with those moments that are really important we put so much time and energy into it and it's not just me I mean it's my whole team it's the photographers the writers the producers the places where we where we shot you know all of these different people around the world who supported us so it's been an investment in so many people and so much time and so much energy that I really want to make sure that I can like take a deep breath and really feel all of what it feels like to have this thing come out into the world and not just be like okay cool now I'm gonna do this whole other thing because that's sort of my my like Sagittarian nature is kind of to be like the wandering spirit and to to start something and then to like don't like dive into the next thing immediately without being like hello let's drink some pink champagne about this because it we deserve it yeah yeah what are you gonna do to celebrate this do you know yet well i'm going on a really epic book tour and that tour is going to start on may 15th when the book comes out and it will go until august 2nd it's three months long we're going to 45 cities around the United States. How many states? I don't know. A lot. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're missing a few. Sorry. Like, we're not going to Alaska or Hawaii oh, or oh. Florida. Ooh. I know. There's, and, and some, there's others that we're missing as well. But we're hitting up, a, we're hitting up 45 cities and going to places I've never been, which I'm so excited about. That is going to be so fun. Yeah, and that visiting so friends all over the country. And yeah. we're going to be doing workshops as well as book signings, as well as like some special, beautiful style dinners and maybe some secret shows and oh my that are gosh. all kind of part of the tour. That is going to be so fun. I mean, not to be, you know, biased, but America <laughs> is amazing. And but my family drove around to all of the um, 48 connected states before I graduated from high school. And like, it's kind of like its own little Europe in the sense that every pocket of America has its own sort of culture. It has its own food, its own accents, its own like every part of America is different. And yeah. it was just so amazing to get to experience that. So you're going to have the best time. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm going along. Uh, well, along with me is going this woman, Caitlin, who I met in Mexico. Actually, she has a company called Thread Caravan. And she does these awesome artisan tours, like uh, retreats, essentially, where you go either she leads them, they're curated, there's like beautiful food, and usually you get to stay at beautiful places, and you either learn weaving or you learn, like the one that's coming up soon is going to be one where you learn about mezcal and cacao and, and all of the food from the region. It's more of a food tour. So we connected. I went to her retreat in October in Oaxaca and I learned how to weave a rug Ugh. which was so much fun and I fell in love with the food and anyway she and I just really connected in an amazing way and so she's going to be one of my partners on the tour and is coming along for the entire trip oh that'll be so fun yeah. oh and we're my doing gosh. little pop-ups as well so she's bringing some of these artisan goods from mexico that she's designing and also working with local people and then we're going to also be collaborating with some um, brands and companies and makers along the way to kind of create this really extra special experience oh my gosh 
gosh. Well, I hope I get to go to whatever LA one you end up oh, doing. Yeah, it's gonna be so fun. Oh my gosh. So, I just can't wait to celebrate. Yeah. I, mean, I really can't wait to celebrate all of the hard work that we've all done. So. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely should. I think that was something that I talked about in the episode when Joy Cho was on a couple of, of weeks ago. We talked about how common it is to just sort of finish something major and just move on immediately to the very next thing and not actually stop and sit in it and sit in gratitude and be in the just like, wow, look how far I've come and look at, um, the, you know, this was an I- idea that I had that happened. And even to acknowledge the other people that made it happen, to acknowledge myself for, you know, sticking it out. Like those are all really important and big things. So um, we're actually hosting uh and we're calling it a night of acknowledgement and mm-hmm. at light lab and we're gonna get a bunch of people together and just be like hey what do you need to celebrate what did you like never celebrate because you were just sort of chasing the next thing and just you know hustle on to whatever's next instead of just being like damn i'm awesome that's I'm awesome. so cool i love that <laughs> yeah or some people who um like didn't get to celebrate their birthdays or like my friend whose birthday is New Year's Eve. She like, it's a love hate because yeah. every year it's like, well, I guess everybody already has plans. <laughs> so we love spe- celebrating with her and her husband, Adam and I do, because it's like we don't have to think about what we're going to go do. And we have a f- goal in the future to be able to like say, okay, well, this year for your birthday, we're going to go to Mexico. And this year we're going to go on a sailing trip. And this right now, it's mostly just cabins with hot tubs. But hey, yeah, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> cabins and hot tubs are never a bad <laughs> no. idea. I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. So, so, all right. So you're, you're like the macrame queen. You're like taking over in all of America and the rest of the world with all of your macrame skills, um, which is amazing. And I love that that's how we met. Was you doing that in at Unique Camp, what, four years ago? Something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Three or four years ago. Four years, yeah. Yeah. So. so, you know, it's been a while and you've been you've been doing stuff for like, I mean, ma- like massive brands. What, what was it? Um, did I make it up or was it was it Ralph Lauren? Who did yeah, you? Yeah, I did a very large installation for their holiday display. It was oh my like gosh! You walk, it was on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, and you walked into their store that had been newly redesigned, and we created this giant kind of macrame tinselly wonderland that you kind of walked through, and then you entered into their store. But you kind of got to go through this space and be transported and and. Uh, delighted a little bit before you walked in yeah I saw photos and it looked absolutely divine and I wanted to see it in real life but I have a I feel so (laughs) I feel I feel out of place in Beverly Hills for sure it was fancy I mean it was really fun to just pretend and be like how much I'd like one of those please yeah absolutely I'll take store credit yeah oh I can buy a sock great So what came before, (laughs) what was before macrame for you? Well, I dropped out of art school when I was 19 and did some travel. I've always loved to travel. Uh, I went all around Europe for a little while. And then I moved back to the States and I started a clothing line with my boyfriend at the time. So I came back to his place in Pennsylvania after being in Europe for a little while. And he worked at a little coffee shop and I was doing some like thrift shopping during the day. We were living in his parents' basement and we planned to move to Portland together. 
So one day I, I bought some vintage clothes and I went home to his place and he had been working on some cool sewing projects and the sewing machine was out. So I took the vintage clothes and I just had this idea to embroider drawings onto the t-shirts and they were like vintage button downs. So I drew on these two shirts for him as a gift. And when he got home from work that day, I present them to him as a gift. And he was like, oh, my God. And his jaw kind of dropped. And he immediately went into his closet and he pulled out a shirt that he had been embroidering on. So unbeknownst to either of us, we had both had this idea at the same time. And this was in 2003. So this is pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook, pre, you know, this was... This was collective unconscious, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. So we moved to Portland. We road tripped across the country, which is the first and only time so far that I've driven from the east to the west. So, which is pretty exciting. Moved to Portland in July of 2003. Decided that we had never seen anything like this before. My dad was like, you should try this and be an entrepreneur. Like, why don't you create your own thing? So we bought a bunch of vintage clothes, we freehand embroidered drawings onto them, and we set up on Alberta Street, which is this like street, they do a street fair in Portland every last Thursday. And we set up with these rickety, like wooden rolling racks that we had made from scraps of wood. And our one of our first customers was this guy who was like, hey, have you ever considered selling this in Japan? And we were like, uh, yeah (laughs) no no (laughs) like this is literally our our debut yeah and he's like well my friend who's a distributor is coming in three weeks and like i think he'd really dig it so after a month of being in business we called ourselves bonnie hart clyde because bonnie and clyde was already taken Mm. but we loved this idea of like being partners and being in business together and having this sort of romantic ideal of, you know, waking up every morning and like being a power couple. And so we um, we had we got our Japanese distributor like after a month of being in business. No way. And we literally were big in Japan. Like our clothing line was in all of the cool department stores. And I was just in disbelief about it because I I kind of thought it was fake, actually. I'm like, this guy, who is this guy? He's not for real. Like, I don't know what this store Beams is or, you know, Isatan or who are these guys? These are fake stores. <laughs> but they were not fake. They were like the Barneys of, of, no J- way. of Tokyo. Did you go visit? I didn't go visit until a couple of years ago for macrame. Okay. I got to go um, for my macrame, which was amazing. But so we did that for three years together. And Sean, my partner at the time, he also started doing these like bicycle hats out of recycled fabric. And then he started kind of getting into like primitive skills and like skinning deer with pocket knives and oh, wow. brain tanning them. It was he, he really went into this very like primitive skills land basket making and and it's pretty awesome but at the time I was like buying $300 shoes and going to trade shows in New York City and Los Angeles and he would be in Arizona like learning how to make fire by rubbing two sticks together (laughs) and I I realized you know at that time like we had been together for three and a half years and our lives kind of started to split 
and it wasn't really reconcilable. He wanted to go hike the PCT trail for like, you know, what is it three months or something Mm -hmm. that it takes? And I was really supportive of it. But um, at the same time, I was like, I just don't think that this is working. So we he sold me the business for like a dollar and um, and I continued it for a little while until and we were in a lot of stores um, we had one employee, which was really weird because I was like a 23 year old art school dropout. And she was like older than me and had graduated and I didn't know how to be her boss at all. Um, but anyways, Bonnie Hart Clyde ended up folding after, um, Sean and I broke up only because I didn't want to do it anymore without him it was kind of like it had been our baby yeah and I felt like it was time to like grow up a little bit and be more sophisticated and I wanted to be part of like the cool girls fashion club so I started my own clothing line that was a women's wear line called Emily Katz and I did that it was an eco-friendly line 2007 to 2009 ish with like a little bit of dabbling in 2011 I did a like runway show then but um but yeah so I dabbled in fashion I also uh I had a band that was called Love Menu and I was the singer and I played the auto harp and the guitar and we went on a tour that was supposed to be longer than it ended up being because a tree fell on my car <laughs> like it was sort of crazy story but um, where we were in san francisco we were outside of san francisco it was my first ever tour we had made a record i was really excited about it i think you can probably find it well actually on my emilycats.com website you can hear some of the songs it's kind of like a secret that I don't really, sh- I guess people, yeah, it's just hasn't been part of my life for so long. Mm. Um, but that was something that I was really dedicated to. So we're in the Marin Headlands. It's Earth Day. We're playing our songs inside of a geodesic dome. One of the girls who was in the band with me, Jeevan, she was singing and also bicycling because the amplifiers were bicycle powered. (laughs) It was like the Earth Day show. Of course. Will Oldham was in the audience because he had an artist residency at this Marin Headlands, Headlands Center for the the Arts or something. Like we're, we're in the Geodome. We're playing our kind of like folk, pop, rock music. My drummer is literally like, Tears are streaming down her face because it's so beautiful. Like the wind is blowing our hair and we're looking out over the ocean and this field full of beautiful people on picnic blankets. And we're having the most amazing moment, like the most amazing moment of our lives. And then between songs, one of the guys who put the festival on was like, hey, can you make an announcement? Because it's so windy, like there's some cars up in this parking lot are getting dinged by pine cones and tree branches. So I make my announcement. And then I'm like, well, I should probably go move my car. And I went and the windshield and the the, the sunroof had been smashed completely by a tree. Oh my So we didn't gosh. we didn't go on the rest of our stops. Actually, the rest of the band left me there and went home. Oops. <laughs> and I um I stayed for a week and just 
I don't know. I waited for the windshield to get repaired. And, and, and I guess that story, I kind of, it's a tangent, but I realized that, um, that something about that story reminds me of how this, the sort of mantra that I have for my life and for business in general is that I'm really not afraid of failure and I'm not afraid of, of this, like, like that example of being so heartbroken by, you know, we had planned this tour. We were heading to LA next. I was really excited because actually there was like, I had a love interest down here. And I, even though I had a boyfriend, I was still like really looking forward to seeing that guy maybe. And, <laughs> um, and there's all this momentum and and yet, for some reason, like the universe was saying, nope, you are not going to L.A. You are staying here and you're going to be still and you're going to just see what's going to come from this. And I look at that in my life now and all of the decisions that I've made around my business and the, the mistakes that I've made and the lessons that I'm always learning every day that kind of are like these interesting pivots um, but there's, there's just so much to learn from those experiences that even though they're quote unquote bad, like it was terrible that we couldn't go on the rest of our tour and it had been so successful up until that point, but it was really amazing to just look at it from a learning experience. Wow. That's a very, uh, that's a very grounded perspective, um, in in life and in business especially when sometimes things involve other people and they involve reputation and they involve mm-hmm. money and they involve, you know just to be able to be like all right like i'm going to learn from this and it happened you know there's something there's something good here so i love that um and it's it's definitely the ideal i think it's harder for a lot of people to pull off but What's um what's one of the are you are you comfortable sharing like another maybe one of a, one of your maybe big mistakes or failures or disappointments? I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of different incarnations as a creator and as a creative um, in your adult life, and it's kind of barely getting started. Yeah, woo, thirty five. <laughs> Yeah, Best I love year it. Yeah. I mean, like you're like you're like a decade in barely, well, 12 years into your creative endeavors and like you've had so many different different sort of manifestations of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so my clothing line, Emily Katz, the clothing line, it was really exciting. I mean, the the when I first started it, I really did it because I realized that I Now I can look back and really realize why I chose to do the clothing line. I had done this like whimsical, artistic, like freehand embroidered, playful line with my ex-boyfriend. And then I really was like, okay, I turned 24 and I was like, I wanted to be one of the cool girls, like so badly. And my whimsical art line was like really popular with people that weren't the people that I thought were cool at the time. 
which is kind of weird to say because they were paying for my life and supporting me. And not that they weren't cool. And I don't mean to say that, but it was like I had this aspiration to be a part of this like awesome fashion community that existed in Portland at the time. It was kind of tight knit. And these women were like putting Portland on the map for design and they were designing beautiful things. And I so badly wanted to be included. So I realized that some of my motivation for doing the clothing line was clouded by my desire to be to be part of something. Mm. It wasn't necessarily as like it wasn't always really from that gut place of of authentic. It wasn't. Yeah, I hadn't made an authentic. uh, It wasn't genuine. It wasn't wasn't, genuine. It wasn't fully genuine. It was it was based on this desire to be included and to be cool, Mm. to be thought of as cool by these people that I just desperately wanted them to think I was cool. And I was like the fat kid in elementary school. I was one of like, there were five girls in my elementary school class. And like, I was definitely the one that like got left out. And so in so many ways. And so it's funny to look back at that now. And I wish that I could tell my little 10 year old self that everything is going to be okay, you know, but, um, but I realized that I had done this uh, this clothing line kind of based on that. But so I had this line. It was all women's wear. It was skirts and dresses and jackets. And it was all using sustainable fabrics kind of before that was cool. And Fred Siegel picked it up immediately. And Anthropology picked some of it up. And, and I was in a lot of stores. And I was designing everything. I was doing every single part of it from the website to the photo shoot curation. I wasn't shooting the photos, but... I modeled in some of them. Um, I did um, all of the branding and all of the design, all of the clothing design and all of the sample making and everything. And um, I did that for about two and a half years and we did some trade shows and it just, it was so much work and it cost so much money and I was completely self-funded and my dad had been really smart and generous when I was young. And when I was 18, he he helped me pay my credit card bills every month. And so by the time I was 24, I had like a $10,000 credit line and I used it. And then I got more and I used it. And, and then I, yeah, I got to the point where I owed $100,000 in credit card debt. I had $100,000 credit card debt. And I was just like, man, this is so much work. And I sat, I like took a moment and I sat with myself and I was like, is this really what I want to be doing? How big can this go? Like, what is my even, what is my goal? Like, what, why am I even doing this? And then I didn't really have a choice because the economy crashed in 2008. And a lot of the stores that had ordered and, and made orders and promised and signed documents that they were going to pay me for the goods, they closed. Or they couldn't pay because nobody was buying anything. And even Anthropology, they had a big order and I borrowed money to produce their order and then they were like, we can't accept this order. And uh, I ended up convincing them and like pretty much begging them. I mean, I did. I, I begged them to to please just take enough so that I could break even. And they agreed, which is amazing. And I paid my friend back that I had borrowed the like $4,000 from. And 
I decided to go bankrupt. And I really thought at the time that it was the worst possible thing that could have ever happened. And looking back on it, God, I wish that I had gone bankrupt the, a year before I did actually go bankrupt because it was, it was just about my ego. It was Emily Katz, the fashion designer is now a failure. She couldn't do it. She, like, what's she going to do now? And, and I was super freaked out about it. I mean, I had wrapped my whole identity around it. And also, you know, I was 27. Is that right? 27 or 28 when it happened. And that's like right when you're getting into your Saturn return. And it was a lot about identity and a lot about who I wanted to be in the world. And, and I realized that that wasn't, that wasn't the life that I wanted. And from there, I just kind of started from scratch. Um, I got a little bit of help from my family to kind of get me off my back on my feet to get me back on my feet. I'm like a mixed metaphor queen. So probably we'll say something funny like that. Um, but yeah, to get me back on my feet. And then, uh, I worked, I started working at the Ace Hotel in the restaurant there in Portland at Clyde Common and then doing some catering jobs and then literally just helping people out that already knew what they wanted to do. So my friend Alicia Rose, who now actually has this amazing show called The Benefits of Gusbandry. It's like a web series about her gay boyfriend and all of their escapades. It's pretty funny. But at the time, she was a photographer and she had just started doing music videos. She was like, hey, you like to cook, right? And I was like, yeah, because that's one of my total passions is cooking. And she was like, would you do craft services for 30 of us? We're doing a video shoot for this band called Talk to Monic in the desert, like in, a, in two weeks. And I was just like, yeah, sure, totally. Oh, yeah, there's no budget. Like, OK, whatever. I mean, we'll figure it out. So I went to the desert and I created all of the food for all of these people for two days. And halfway through, she's like, one of our extras dropped out. Would you cover yourself in mud and like dance and roll around in this music video? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And it was I, I kind of got to be her muse for a little while because I wasn't really afraid. I just said yes to everything. Hey, will you like pretend like you were really hungover and drunk from this other video and like turn and anyways it just I said yes I was the party girl and then I actually got to be the lead in um in a cake music video which was like my 16 year old self was dying which video it's called mustache man yes and I'm I'm like the love interest in the music video and I'm wearing a really fabulous dress uh, but, you know, I was never like, oh, I want to be an actress or it was just for fun. And but more than it being just for fun, it was saying yes and supporting my friend who knew what her passion was. And I didn't know I had been a musician and still hope and strive and like aspire to secretly be able to just like play a show again someday. I had been an artist and still, obviously, I definitely think of myself still as an artist. And I had been a fashion designer, whatever. Like, I had done all of these things. But at the time, I just felt so lost. And I felt so, like, like I didn't know where to put my attention. I needed a, 
I needed a detox from creativity of my own. So it was really easy to say, yes, I'm going to help you and support you because you know what you want to do. And so my fiance, Adam, he said something really beautiful. And he did this for a while because he was in bands for a long time and toured and traveled. And when he finally ended that part of his or paused that part of his career life, he he actually didn't listen to music for a really long time at all. He just needed to have like a clear space in his head. And and for him, he said it was it was just about creating space for the next thing to show up. And we're, we're still doing that, we're creating space all the time, every single day for whatever the next thing is. Wow. That, I mean, I felt like I was about to burst into tears when you were talking about your, your story there. I mean, it's so it's you're, you're talking about it so calmly and so, so peacefully. And yet I, I, my, my heart just wants to ask you all these questions about, are you okay? And what was that like? I mean, what was it? I guess, first of all, my question is going back to when you were saying that you starting your brand um, was all about being accepted and being seen by like the cool crowd, air quotes, cool crowd. Mm -hmm. um, did you have, did you, did you find that? Did you feel like during those years mm. you got, you got the acceptance you were looking for? I don't think that it would have ever been possible for me to get the acceptance I was looking for at that time. Um, and so actually part of my macrame story is, um, it, so I learned macrame from my mom, but I learned it when I, after I had turned 30 and this is part of my like story that, you know, people come to my workshops, they learn about it, but, but my parents divorced when I was nine, they worked together as a couple, um, in this gemstone energy healing business. Um, but they split when I was nine and my mom left. Like she, she just totally abandoned us. Like she went to Paris on a trip and when she came home, she moved out and I was nine years old and I really ended up kind of being there for my dad in a lot of ways. So I had to grow up really fast. So it wasn't really allowed. It wasn't that I wasn't allowed to play, but I didn't give myself the freedom to be really like lighthearted and playful as a child. And I also really struggled with my relationships with women because I didn't trust them. And, you know, it's funny because now I feel, well, okay, not to jump ahead, but so I... I was looking for that acceptance and for that, like someone to just bring me into the fold and to be nurtured and supported and loved by this community of women. And it's not that they didn't. And I'm sure if any of them are hearing, they would be like, we loved you. And they did. And I'm, you know, friends with all of them now in this different incarnation. But at the time it was just this desire. And I mean, even younger than that, like the, my 10 year old self or my 15 year old self or any, any younger version of myself was really striving for that connection. And, um, and now, now I've really created that healing in that space. And a lot of it was through learning macrame from my mom. A lot of it has just been, well, a lot of it has been therapy, um, which 
I definitely credit a lot of it has snaps for therapy. Yep. Totally. (laughs) So important. Yep. It was such a faux pas for so long and Mm -hmm. I haven't been going for a long time, but, but I saw some really amazing people who really helped me get clearer. Um, but I was just saying last night, I, um, I went to my friend Aaron's house and she led a little tea ceremony for me and another woman. And, and I haven't really done any, I haven't really done that very often. And I was like, well, I don't really know what this is going to be like, but, but we did it in silence and the whole, and just drinking tea and, and sitting there quietly. And my realization at the end of it was about how this whole experience of macrame for me has become this incredible healing and bringing together of all of these amazing women into my life. I mean, the list of badass, incredible, inspiring, influential, like dream-making, sexy, like empowered women, like I could go on and on. The list is so long. Like that moves me beyond. Even this week in LA, I've been down here for, I will be, you know, Monday through Thursday, like, I, the list of insanely awesome women is just, I'm so, I feel so grateful. I just feel so grateful because previous to this experience with, with my mom and with, um, with learning macrame and this journey, I never would have imagined that this would have been possible for me. And, and I hope that I can share that with people. And that's really the intention of this is that this, I mean, I love craft. Don't get me wrong. I, and I'm totally into macrame. And at the same time, I see it as a vehicle for connection more, even more so than, than a beautiful thing to hang on your wall. And it's really brought so much into my life that I, I I couldn't, I can't even really begin to express my gratitude for it. It's crazy. Wow. So when did you reconnect with your mom and what was, what was that experience like for you? Oh man. Well, Adam and I were going to a friend's wedding, his friends in Baltimore. And we had a, um, we decided we were going to do a little East coast trip out of it. Uh, New York, Baltimore, and then I don't remember how we connected with my mom through that. So my mom left when I was nine, and then we really didn't spend very much time together for over 20 years. Wow. Like you didn't talk at all, or like you just didn't? She would, like, she called me on my 13th birthday to wish me a happy birthday. And she said, hi, happy birthday, Emily. Guess what? You have a new baby sister. And I'm not going to lie. I said, fuck you. And I hung up on her. That's amazing. I was so mad. I was so hurt. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you haven't visited us. And you were pregnant and you didn't tell us. Like, she got married to her second husband without telling us. Like, we weren't invited. I mean, that's how crazy. Many, how many kids were in your family with the, the, like I'm your the original? I'm the oldest. Mm. And then I have a sister who's three years younger and a brother who's who's six years younger. And then she went on to have two more kids. Yeah. And, and the craziest part about all of it is that when she was in her 40s, she had a heart transplant. 
Was this before or after she left? After she left, 10 years after she left. After she had those two other kids, after she left her second husband. And so I always think about it as like, she just, you know, there was something about her, her love, like she wanted to start over. Mm. Like she felt like she had maybe done a bad job or I don't know. We, as the children of divorced parents, I think we all think about what did we do wrong? Like, was it our fault? Like, what could we have done better? Why, what's wrong with me? You know, all of these things. And as an adult, I can look back and say, okay, she was 30. She had three kids. She and my dad worked really intense hours together. I love my dad so much. And he, I think back then was pretty controlling And she didn't know how to say no. She didn't know how to, she didn't have the the skills or the emotional intelligence to ask for what she needed. Mm. So I kind of get to look at that and say, okay, I'm going to learn from this because I don't want to get in that situation. But so anyways, we, um, we figured out that, well, she invited Adam and I to come visit her. And she had helped a little bit. Like when I went, when I, when I went to go look at art schools on the East coast, she took me to some schools, you know? So we had some, we, we had some connection, but it was very small amount of connection. Um, and she, but she invited us to come to visit her. And I had seen some macrame in some shop windows, some vintage macrame. And also there was an artist in Portland named Sally England, who she's kind of like, I mean, she's definitely one of the people who has brought, I mean, I've taken it to this new level, but she made macrame really the the new art. Like she took what it was and, and saw it as a medium. And I have to give her credit because it's, it's due to her for sure. So I saw some macrame that she had made and I was like, oh, modern. This is, this is like, this, could this be modern macrame? Could we do it in a modern way? And I found out that my mom had made macrame plant hangers in the seventies and she invited us to go visit her. And I was like, well, maybe we can learn together and maybe we can craft together. And so, yeah, we had this incredible experience crafting together and she said yes and I was like oh my god are we like does this mean we have something in common because I just didn't know I didn't know if we had anything in common um so we got to her house in Connecticut and we went and did a little bit of a tour around and tried to find all of the materials to make the macrame. And we had a really hard time finding the materials that I wanted to use. There was jute and there was some like paracord and polyester stuff. And I was like, no, I want something modern. And we had a hard time really finding it, which was kind of interesting in retrospect. Um, And then we made macrame plant hangers in her kitchen and my step, Uh, My half-sisters, I guess, my two half-sisters were baking vegan cookies, and Adam was sitting there. So on the floor, he was sitting cross-legged playing the guitar, and what I didn't tell you is that this guitar was was something that she had bought in the 70s by making macrame and selling it. 
So she raised money for wow. this guitar and here he is like playing it and we're all singing together and it was cinematic and beautiful and what were you feeling experience. at the time? What were what were your emotions like? I was so present and I was really I remember feeling really happy. Wow. And just being in the moment. No one was on their phone. No one was like what's for dinner? We were just laughing and we were singing and we were singing um the uh Jeff Buckley version of Hallelujah, so which beautiful. we all knew the words to, even my 15-year-old sister and um so now whenever i hear that song i think about that moment Mm. is your mom still a part of of your of your book a part of your journey up until this moment now so she helped me out a little bit with the proposal i told her about the idea and she thought it was a great idea and she's also an author so she has some experience um and so yeah she helped me with the proposal and I know that she's really proud of me. She's she's she bought rope from me online without telling me once. <laughs> and which was funny because I was like, Mom, you could just, you know, I'll just send you some. But she made an order and we shipped it to her and she came up with some like cool new ideas. She said, Hey, let's make a yoga bag strap. And, you know, she made a pattern for it for me, and that was really sweet. So she's She's definitely trying. And um, in September of last year, she came on a retreat with me in New Hampshire called Squam. And it's a craft retreat and it's on a lake. And I was there for a week and we shared a cabin with two twin beds. And we stayed up late talking about business and getting nerdy about margins and having employees. And it was really awesome. And I realized that she and I have a lot of similar ideas about, you know, being business owners and being creative entrepreneurs. And she really is excited about supporting me in those ways, which is awesome. Wow. Yeah. Never could have even dreamed of that really. Yeah. And it's still weird. Yeah. It's still hard. And she's coming to visit actually, uh, in a couple of weeks and she's going to stay at our house. And I don't know, I still have that that little nervous feeling like, what are we going to talk about? And does she really understand me? Mm. But she does all these sweet things. Like she sends bouquets of flowers in the mail, like on holidays and birthdays with notes. And like, maybe she gets my love language a little bit. Which That's is, so beautiful. It's really, it's cool. It's a cool evolution. Yeah. And I mean, I'm 35 and she's 21 years older than me. And she, uh, like, I don't know what a 35-year-old mother-daughter relationship looks like. Like, I don't know what the template for that is. Mm. Because, and that's cool, actually, because I think that we get to make our own template and without expectations of what it should look like. Yeah. Do you guys talk about what it was like for her to to leave? Do you, do you is that something that you're open with, um with her about and has she ever opened up to you and um has she ever you know apologized or is that something that is just still like you're just enjoying the moment without kind of going into the past we've definitely gone there yeah we definitely have and there have been a lot of tearful moments about it um but it's all 
like you, you always feel better on the, on the other side, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, it's definitely still a learning process. Yeah. I mean, it's not like after 20 years, you can just be like, cool. We're, we have a great relationship now. I mean, she calls me on weekends sometimes and checks in and, you know, I hear the little bit of a tickle in her voice at the end of the conversation when she says, I love you. And, you know, we sound really similar and we really do have a ton in common, which is, which is really exciting and also terrifying. Um, but she's offered, she's really offered to help. She's, she said, Hey, like, well, cause Adam and I got engaged last year and so exciting so exciting and she's like let me know how you want me to help with the wedding if you want me to help with the wedding you know like she understands that she might not be wanted Mm. and she checked and she's like just want to make sure that like do you have the date set yet and we're like no she's like okay well I just wanted to make sure that you know that I'm invited and the truth is is that Five years ago, I maybe wouldn't have invited her. Yeah. And now I definitely would. And I know it will be an experience because my siblings haven't done the healing with her that I've done. Um, but but there's a desire there to heal. Mm. And I think that that's the best we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to think that you're bankrupt without going bankrupt, none of this would have happened. Totally. I know. Even just saying that makes me just want to like touch my heart and be like, oh my goodness. Um, So not to go back in your story too much, but when, when you decided to go through that process and you said that you wish you had done it a year before, um, what, what was that like? What is the, what are the logistics of filing for bankruptcy? And did you have, were, were your friends and family supportive? Like, what were you going through during that process? Yeah, my family was supportive. And like I said, I got a little bit of help right afterwards. Um, I My dad loaned me some money and my mom actually loaned me some money too to live off of, to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I had so much debt that every month my credit card payments were thousands and thousands of dollars that I couldn't pay. And I wasn't answering my phone because it was all creditors. And I was so, I felt a lot of shame and I was really embarrassed by that experience. And, um, and I was just really afraid to answer the phone, you know, uh, which is so silly because I could have just said, Hey, I'm sorry, I can't pay you right now. Like, well, let's work something out. And actually that tends to work. When you do answer the phone, a lot of creditors will work with you. And if you say, I can't pay this, and they'll be like, okay, well, what can you pay? Because they can't do anything. If you go bankrupt, they don't get their money. Right. You know, it goes away. It's weird. Uh, And not that I think that everyone should just create businesses that can fail so that they can get out of debt by going bankrupt. Um, that's definitely not why I chose to do it, but I feel like it, it really, it helped free me of a lot of stress. I was just under so much stress that was so, that was, that I manifested, like it was all on me. Nobody else was like, Emily, you should be stressed right now. Nobody was saying that it was all on me. And that's why I say I wish I had gone bankrupt sooner was because 
I think that it makes you sick. You know, I think that stress definitely causes illness in your body. And I just didn't want that. Um, I wish that I could go back and, and, you know, cut some of that stress out of my life and have started the process sooner. So I worked with a lawyer. I worked with a bankruptcy lawyer and they handled all the paperwork and, you know, took a little bit of a fee and, and, you know, bankruptcy is on your credit for seven years and this July, my bankruptcy will be over wow. and will be off my credit. And I just got my first business credit card, Delta Airlines Get card, it, girl. Which is awesome. I fly so much. I'm like, all the frequent flyer miles that I'm wasting. Yeah. Uh, Alaska still won't give me one because oh. my credit's not good enough for their bank. Well. Soon enough, Alaska. <laughs> But, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it's it's just so interesting because, again, so much of my identity was wrapped up in that thing that I had been doing before. And and really, I think it's cool to fail. Like I tried something. It means that I wasn't afraid to try something that was maybe scary or big or or different or challenging and I I kind of pat myself on the shoulder for that a little bit because I I don't know I mean I definitely recognize that I come from like a white middle class family and my family's always been supportive either energetically and emotionally I mean you know obviously my mom not being present but my dad and even my mom in ways that she could and so that that's something maybe different. Like I had, a, I have, I'm starting at a different playing field than a lot of people. So I can't deny that, that, that puts me, that, that that's, there's importance to, to look at that and to acknowledge it. But I also think that, um, yeah, that I've just created an opportunity to, to, I don't know, to be free, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that Kinda permission. Went, yeah. It, I mean, just giving ourselves permission to be free. It's usually it's usually us that are the ones that that are trying to keep ourselves trapped, you know? Totally. It's it's usually us that are the ones that are saying, Oh, but what will happen if you say this or what will people think? Or, you know, shame is a personal prison. It's I mean, yes, it is cultural to some extent, or it, it is in a family to some extent, or a religion or a, you know, country or whatever it is, it is a system. But if I say, I'm not buying into that, then no one can actually force it on me. Um, so I like what I'm hearing is that you gave yourself permission to be free and to just be like, thank you, but I'm not taking that on. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say... Well, first of all, do you talk about this anywhere or like, do you talk about this with anyone? Is this the kind of thing that you, that you tend to, you know, is this part of your story? I mean, I do share about my mom, but not necessarily in so much detail. And the bankruptcy thing has been something that I've just started talking about a little bit more because I think that it's important to show that I haven't just had it all together this whole time. You know, uh, I tried some things. I was a fashion designer in my 20s. Now I'm a macrame artist, entrepreneur, business owner. 
like in my 30s. Author. 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 <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm going to be in my 40s or 50s or 60s. So that's super exciting. But yeah, I mean, I would say that that it's something that is still it's still not super out in the open. And and that's OK. Like, I want people to know that. That, you, yeah, like I said, that I didn't don't have it all together. I mean, I didn't make a business plan for this. It just kind of happened. Mm. And I went with it. It was an opportunity that came to me and I was like, okay, I'm fine being like not knowing what's coming next. It's kind of like love, right? When you're looking for love and you're getting dolled up and you're going out and you're like, I can't wait to meet the man of man, woman, whoever of my dreams. And then you're like so obsessed with meeting that person that you forget about yourself. And then if you do get into those relationships, they're not that healthy, right? But if you're like doing all the things that are nurturing to you and that you feel good about and you're really just feeling all juicy and being yourself, then like the love that you want usually finds you. Yeah. And I think about that in relation to the creative life that I'm that I'm creating right now is that I'm really trying to make sure that, like I said at the beginning, that I am honoring the moment that I'm in and I am being really present. And my goals right now are definitely based around being very clear in all of all of the aspects of my life, whether it's where I really want to go to dinner, not because she's like, oh, I really want to try this place. But like, if I don't want to go there, then I'll tell her. Sometimes it doesn't always work that way because I have whatever. Yeah. But being really being trying to be really clear, Hmm. trying to be clear in business. And I know that I'm going to make mistakes and I know that I'm going to have little failures and maybe I'll have big failures. I mean, God, there's so much more that we could go into about all of these things, like how to run a business. Right. How to have people that you work that work for you, how to like be awesome with them, because I've totally made mistakes about that, too, you know. And so it's it's knowing that we will all make mistakes and then being okay with the fact that they're all lessons. And hopefully if you can do it graciously and lovingly and with an open heart, then you can look at them as lessons and you can really grow from them. Mm. So if someone is listening and they're going through something like they're in the middle of one of their failures, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not on the other side yet where, where they're, where they've got a story and a connection and a book and a, you know, with they're in the middle of the train wreck, what words do you have? Mm -hmm. And what, what wisdom do you have? Well, it, everything changes. Right. The electricity is it electricity. How do I say this? It's like, right. Everything. The one constant is that nothing is going to stay the same. And the, that gives me a lot of comfort. I mean, sometimes not because you're like, but things are great. (laughs) But even when things are great, there's still opportunities for them to become better And then we know that there's an ebb and flow, right? In order to have ups, we have to have downs. And so I I can see like when you're feeling that way and you're feeling so miserable or terrible or your life is really low, it's sometimes really hard to remember 
that there's going to be a brighter day or that the sun is going to come out and it's not always going to be cloudy. Obviously that's, you know, up in Portland, it's a little bit cloudier <laughs> in general. <laughs> All day, every day. Yeah. yeah, that's what we say. Uh-huh. Um, but the truth is, is that it will change and that if maybe they can find comfort in that and, and that also to look around at their community, that there's always there are always people around who have been through what you've been through. There's people out there that want to support you. And I think one of my greatest accomplishments in the last couple of years has been asking for help, has been getting better at asking for help because, or even if it's not help, even if it's just, I really need a hug today or, Hey, I'm actually having a hard time getting out of bed. Like I'm not going to come into the office and I'm just going to take that day I'm going to just do nothing and I'm kind of going to let myself wallow in it for a little bit because I'm not very productive if I'm having a bad day. And I know that there's very there's there's a wide variety of like the train wreck to like having a bad hair day, you know. But I think that there's there's that if you can hold on to that thought of of everything will change and it it will always get better. Mm. Mm. that's amazing I love that um yeah there's so much there I feel like we could you just need you just need like a side podcast (laughs) for with your like when you're doing your book tour you just do like Q&A's on the road with people and you could just I mean you've got so many experiences I feel like people could call and be like so what do I not do when I start a you know, fashion business or what do I do? Or, you know, you just, you could, I mean, the amount of experience that you have just means that you would have so many words of, of coaching, like what, what to do, what not to do, who to be, how to be in the world, how to ask for what you want. Um, it's very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. My high school has been asking me to come and talk for a long time and I've said no for a really long time. Like when I had my fashion line, we want you to come and talk. And I was like, no, you don't, because I'm going to tell the high school graduates not to go to college. Oh, not that I don't think you shouldn't go to college, That's amazing. but like, you don't want me to come and talk to to the, you know, to your like budding, fresh, supple people about this, you know, <laughs> and, uh, youth, the supple youth, Um, so I actually am going to speak at my high school, like event, um, fundraiser in March. And I changed my mind because I realized that now I have a new message to share with them, which is about just finding what is inspiring to you and really sticking with it. Mm. And for some of those people, it will be going to college. And for some of those people, it will be interning with someone or, doing the Peace Corps or volunteering or like the world is a million shades of rainbow, right? So I'm excited about it. Oh my gosh. Where, where, which state is that? It's in, it's in Oregon. It's in Portland. Oh, you went to high school there? I did. Yeah. Oh, wow. I went to elementary school and high school and so cute. Well, I didn't really go to high school. I kind of hung out at coffee shops a lot. (laughs) You're such an artist. I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. Thank you. 
Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q&A with Emily Katz about her social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?